retailers are being haunted by the ghost economy to the tune of $1.75 trillion. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. That number represents the amount of revenues that retailers are losing due to overstocks, out-of-stocks, and returns. So says a new study commissioned by Order Dynamics, surveying more than 800 retailers. It claims that they're losing 11.7% of revenue due to the combined impact of those three factors. So where are the Ghostbusters when you need them? Today I'm talking to one of them, Kevin Sternekert, Chief Marketing Officer of Order Dynamics. He tells us why it's difficult for companies to understand what's happening in their businesses, especially in the age of e-commerce and the omni-channel. Bottom line, he says, there's a lot of money being left on the table in the form of preventable mistakes that retailers are making in their supply chains every day. If they're not corrected, he says, a lot of companies are in danger of going out of business. And that's reason enough to be afraid. So here is my conversation with Kevin Sternekert. Well, Kevin Sternekert, welcome. Thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Kevin, what is the ghost economy? Well, about a year ago, I was looking at what was happening in retail specifically and in business general, generally, and was identifying different areas of profit and volume and cost issues that were happening in omnichannel retail. Uh, as I began to see these problems, I noticed that it was difficult, if not impossible, for companies to be able to understand what was happening in their business and then to be able to fix the problems. And it just appeared to be very transparent, if, if not um, invisible, to companies. And so the, the term ghost came to mind and ghost economy occurred to me. And really, as it's played out, every company has a ghost economy. And it is those instances in the business where things are occurring that impact the profit and loss statement. And you really don't have the technology or the ability to see the problems and to be able to solve them and eradicate them. So they're ghostly in nature and elusive. That is the ghost economy. And the figure you came up with was a staggering $1.75 trillion. How did you arrive at that number? Well, fortunately, it wasn't something that I came up with, engaged the IHL research group, and uh, they had previously done some work on lost sales due to inventory problems. IHL pegged the number uh, at about $800 billion, but they did not include the cost of returns and needless returns. And so we commissioned research uh, with IHL to include the impact to retail uh, globally on overstock and understock, as well as needless returns. And this is the number that they came through with uh, research on 
a large number of companies around the world and the impact of those conditions in the business. And this is how they arrived at that $1.75 trillion of lost revenue. So again, just to be clear, preventable returns, out of stocks, and overstocks. Is this the first time this is that this has been quantified in those three categories in this manner? Heather, yes. You're saying we, we haven't seen we haven't seen that a figure that actually quantifies those three categories uh, in, until now. That's correct. Where it's been all put together as one number across all retail globally. It's the first time I'm aware that this has been measured to that degree. So it's difficult, if not impossible, given the fact that this is the first time. I guess you can't really get a sense of a trend, can you? I mean, do you get a sense of whether – do you even have a feeling of whether this is a problem that has been getting worse? Or has it been a problem all along and we just didn't know about it because we didn't put a number on it? Yeah, that's a great question. The research initially that was done just included the, in, the impact of lost sales from over and under inventory at $800 billion. That number by itself carved out has gotten worse since the research was done about 18 months ago just on those two numbers. And in my previous role to my current role as CMO at Order Dynamics, I was the lead retail analyst for Gartner. And my view of where these three have gone, there's some improvement in North America around in-stock conditions and improvement in forecasting. There's a degrading forecast and accuracy and inventory position in other parts of the world. And the returns piece is globally worse now than it was a year or two or more ago. And this is, it is compounding with the continued prevalence of omni-channel retail and the growing portion of a retailer's business is coming from digital commerce. So does that mean that there's something about the nature of e-commerce that just makes these things even more difficult? Of course, yes. And there's a couple of examples to think about. So, for example, the retail buyer at Staples used to have about three to 500 um, writing instruments that they carried in their assortment for the stores and for a B2B um, business that they had. And by the way, Staples is one of the largest B2B e-commerce sites in the world, of course, behind uh, Amazon. They have stated that they're raising their assortment to 5 million SKUs. So on on about average, that same one buyer is now responsible for over 100,000 SKUs in just riding instruments. And so the complexity of e-commerce has added the endless aisle. It's added a a consumer that is not as easily understood, and you cannot manage the business by averages. The customer expects personalized care and treatment, yet the customer is not like the customer across the street or the customer across the continent. It's interesting you should say customers who is not as well understood. A bit ironic because you would think, I mean, the word on the Internet and the age of the Internet is that retailers know everything about us now because they can sort of see where we go and what we do online. And theoretically, that should mean they know us better. You're saying that's not the case. Well, the the case is they do have the footprints of the customer. They do have data about the customer. But most retailers do not have the ability to do much about it. They, They don't make decisions that are necessarily informed specific about individual consumers in the way that they have the data relative to that individual consumer. 
most retailers are still managing by the averages. Now, they can drill into a household and know that an individual household buys paper towels every three weeks, but it doesn't mean that they're giving a more personalized service and assortment and inventory and price to that individual household. In addition to which, the nature of the omni-channel sometimes means that companies have inventory spread out over more locations and for different purposes, and therefore I would think that would lead to more out-of-stocks and overstocks and wrongly located stocks, right? Exactly. And if, for example, a retailer has a strategy that they have a fulfillment center for their digital and they have stores, physical stores for their customers that are physical, that means that they might have the inventory in their supply chain, but they don't have it positioned properly for the customer to be able to take possession of it. And you can just look at your own shopping experiences, how many times you've gone in to try to buy something and it's not available. And you go online and you want it and it's not available in your size. Um, how frustrating that is. But I assure you that somewhere within the supply chain, it is available. It just isn't available to that particular channel that you're trying to buy through. Now, IHL takes those two concepts of overstocks and out-of-stocks and lumps them together under the term inventory distortion. Then it, yes. then it identifies three sources of inventory distortion, internal process failures, personnel issues, data disconnect slash systems. Can we take those one at a time? What types of internal process failures are happening to re represent what appears to be $284.9 billion in losses? Right, exactly. Great. Um, so it, it could be as simple as how often inventory is updated. For most brick-and-mortar retail organizations, having a nightly update of inventory was sufficient because they would open their stores in the morning and they would close their stores at night and they would run their inventory process overnight. So when the store opened again in the morning, they would have the correct inventory to start this, the, the day with. If you do that today... You have the right inventory for your entire enterprise for about 15 seconds. <laughs> and the moment you have your first digital order or your first sale in the store, you now do not have a correct understanding of inventory for the next 23 hours and 59 minutes. And that's a problem that most retailers uh, are struggling with is, is even the frequency of updating information has to change from what they used to do prior to omni-channel uh, retail. And so very simple, very easy to, un to understand, yet that's a distortion of inventory from the moment that you have your first order after you do your daily updates of inventory. Well, I imagine the holy grail would be a series of constant updates throughout the day, but I don't imagine that that's possible. So what's the, uh, what's the right balance? Better than daily, but maybe not minute by minute. Um, you get a sure. sense of what might work for, com for, for retail stores? There is some best practices, and what many have done is they do trickle polling of their sales as well as inventory, and that occurs in 15-minute increments for a lot of companies. Um, there are digital-only retailers, so it just depends on the type of business. Those processes that happen, if they're not thinking about the state of the inventory and updating the entire enterprise with transparency to all channels, then you have process failures that are causing inventory problems. A second element of inventory distortion, personnel issues, $259.1 billion. What kind of personnel issues? Your personnel issues are uh, related to when you've asked an individual employee 
or buyer, et cetera, to do certain things, and you expect that they're going to be done a certain way, and they're not. In an example might be uh, when you uh, are in the stores and you have a clerk that is ringing up merchandise, and maybe the customer is buying multiples of something, and instead of scanning each item, they scan one and hit a quantity key. Well, they may have not noticed that there's a different size of something that someone was buying or a flavor or color. And so what, the, what the, the employee just did was tell the system that three were purchased of the same thing, but when they hit quantity three versus scanning each item to make sure that every item was correctly recognized by the point of sale. So it's processes that the uh, operational procedures that, that the employees are asked to follow as well as the employee actually following those procedures. It's accounting for when they're doing ship from store to make sure that they ship the right products. It's, it's accounting for returns properly. It's uh, accomplishing the operational procedures as well as the corporate procedures at the corporate offices correctly. And unfortunately, in most cases, employees have more on their plate than they have time. And so employees are looking for ways to accomplish what they're asked to do in the given time. And it doesn't always follow suit with the operational procedures that they've been trained to follow. And so shortcuts are taken and mistakes are made. It might be mistakes that are made at the very beginning when an item is set up. How heavy is the item? What are the dimensions of the item? What kind of uh, packaging is it? How many items are in a case? Those are also fraught with human error, and many times it's because it was a copy and paste with images that are different or certain attributes that are different, but everything else is the same when it wasn't really the same. And so the way it was set up in the system was wrong. There are many examples of how employees will do things to try to accomplish what they're asked to do without following the procedures completely and it causing a waterfall effect of problems all the way from the very beginning down to when the customer takes possession and finds that they've received something that they didn't intend. I'll give you a great example. We ran a a Twitter contest over the holidays on the ghost economy, and we invited consumers to send us images of things that they received for for the holidays that were wrong. And we uh, had somebody send us a picture of a sweater, and they showed us the picture of the sweater on the website that they ordered. And it was a nice men's sweater. They received a Santa Claus sweater that you might wear at a gag um, holiday party. Um, and so it was ac- absolutely not what they ordered. But between the employee, the buyer, the merchant, there was a mistake that was made that the Santa Claus sweater was seen to be the same as the sweater that the customer had intended. So those are employee issues, problems that are caused that present uh, problems for the supply chain as well as the ghost economy. When I saw the phrase personnel issues, I thought that it might incorporate shrink, internal employee theft or external consumer on on the retail floor theft. That's not part of this at all? It is, yes. But, you know, I don't want to say that 100% of the personnel number that was quoted in the research came because of theft, um, because it's certainly not the case. But you can't separate out what was that and what was the other thing, what was the well-intentioned stuff that just went awry versus this other thing. Well, it's about, um, if I recall from the study, it's about a third of the numbers shrink coming from uh, mishandling um, or employee theft. 
I see. Okay. All right. The third element of inventory distortion, data disconnects slash systems. That is $222.7 billion. Where are the data disconnects happening? Where are the systems that are failing? Sure. We talked a little bit about some of the issues where we have timing and processes, but we also have issues where systems are not talking to each other. We have um, store systems that are not talking to e-commerce systems. For example, if you buy something online and try to return it to a store and, and the store has no understanding of that item, they don't see it, they don't know it, they, they have no idea what it was purchased for, when it was purchased, so there's disconnected data between e-commerce and stores. There's disconnected data between fulfillment centers, stores, and e-commerce, as well as disconnected data between the supplier and the different channels. We, we certainly see disconnected data on inventory, but there's other pieces of data that's disconnected. So we know a lot about the customer from a digital perspective. It's saying consumer shops in the physical world know less about it, but that behavior online and the behavior in the store, while different, is important to understand. And that information is many times disconnected as well, where um, a retailer will know quite a bit about a consumer in the digital sense, but know far less about the very same consumer in the physical world. So there's disconnects around the customer data. There's disconnects around inventory. There's disconnects around the costs associated with fulfillment and making sure that the right fulfillment patterns are followed in the supply chain, as well as the best path to satisfy customer uh, expectations many times are disconnected as well. And it was un only until a, a year or two ago that Macy's would actually ship from stores, and they didn't have systems that would enable that. So they had to build systems that connected the information so that when a customer ordered online, it could be fulfilled from the stores, and that the systems that would route those orders would actually understand the inventory that is in the stores, and that the store inventory was actually accurate enough to fulfill from. And, you know, many people don't know this, but um, Walmart was the same way. When they first started doing ship-to-store, and a customer would order the product, even if the inventory was available in the physical Walmart store that they were going to pick up the product from, the inventory was not relieved from the shelf. It was physically shipped to the store, and then the customer would pick it up completely separate because <laughs> their systems were disconnected to begin with. What a waste of time and effort for them to have to do it that way. And, like, and it uh, didn't take very long for them to connect those systems, but they were not connected to begin with. The fact that this is starting to happen, you mentioned Macy's has been doing it now for about a year, and Walmart finally seems to have gotten it right or gotten toward getting it right. I guess that helps to explain why you have seen improvements, as you said, in stock and in forecasting, at least in U.S. retailers, right? That, that is correct. And that's, yeah, and that's um, due to a number of uh, elements. Uh, one is improvements in the forecasting technology. There's been quite a, a large investment by retail as you look at where retailers are investing their technology spend and forecasting for a number of years prior has been high on the list. And as those projects have been deployed, they have indeed increased and improved inventory conditions. And there's, there's a number of uh, companies who've made investments 
in North America to make those improvements. In other parts of the world, however, that inventory forecast uh, improvement process really hasn't occurred yet, where you have developing countries, South America, Latin America, even in parts of Asia, where things are growing rapidly and far outpacing the technologies that were used for the other channels. Well, I think nothing infuriates a consumer more than an out-of-stock item. And one would have thought with Walmart's retail link and other similar types of efforts that we would have licked that problem by now. But I guess all you got to do is walk into a superstore or a big retail store now to see that that is not, in fact, the case. But, but you do seem to have some hope that companies are addressing this and that the whole issue of the ghost economy will be alleviated in, in future? Do you have that sense of well, optimism? Well, I, I am optimistic in that retailers understand that they need to improve and that retailers don't want to be out of stock. <laughs> and they recognize that a earned customer is incredibly valuable. You see, if a customer goes to an online site or they go to the store and the product isn't available, within seconds they can find someone else who can deliver what they want. And so more than ever before in the history of retail, a retailer must be able to deliver what the customer wants when the customer wants it. I do have optimism that retailers will improve certain aspects of the ghost economy. However, unless a retailer focuses on connecting information, and unless a retailer identifies technologies that will allow them to manage the information and make decisions based upon that information in a better way than they are today, which is managing by the average or managing by exception, unless they're able to do better than that, the ghost economy will persist and it will erode at the business P&L to the point where, where the companies will struggle to stay in business. This is a clear element of what retailers are, are struggling with today. And if a retailer fails, I believe this represents one of the largest reasons why they fail. And that is they didn't understand their ghost economy and they didn't understand how to solve the elements that, that were existing in that ghost economy. The report is called Retailers and the Ghost Economy. 1.75 trillion reasons to be afraid conducted by the retail analyst firm IHL Group and commissioned by Order Dynamics. Kevin Sternekert, I want to thank you so much for being with us today to explain the contents of the report. We will link to it in the show notes, and we'll look forward to three more of a four-part series coming up. Thank you for being with us. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Kevin Sternekert of Order Dynamics, talking about a new study on retailers and the ghost economy. Boo! We're online at www.supplychaingrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.